Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 73. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Do you love vintage cars? Then go to CarsYeah.com and get a free copy of the fantastic Filler Up book. It's a full-color ebook filled with fuel filler fun with over 60 color photographs of vintage cars plus inspirational quotes from some of the most famous automotive enthusiasts of all time. Simply go to CarsYeah.com, click on the free book button on the homepage, and download your Filler Up book today. It's free at CarsYeah.com. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. Today, I'm very excited to introduce two special guests, Beverly and Dennis Little. Beverly and Dennis, are you two buckled up and ready for a fun ride? That I am. We sure are. Let's get this engine started. All right. I love it. I'm not so sure I should ask this question, but I'm going to. Who's at the wheel? Well, I am for a while, and then when I get tired of driving, I'll let Dennis take over. All right. I'm sorry, Mark, that's a uh, sensitive question. Even when we, we both have motorcycles, and whenever we're going for a uh, ride, uh, guess who leads, and it's not me. <laughs> You're a smart man, Dennis. That's why you two have been married for, what, 46 years now? That's correct. All right, yeah. Well, I'm a smart guy, too. I just celebrated my 30th year with my wife, Jill, so uh, we're two very lucky and wise men. Yes. Beverly and Dennis Little run the Santa Fe Concorso that takes place every year in late September at the club at Las Campanas in Santa Fe, New Mexico. It's an annual gathering of the finest automobiles in the world, and when you combine Dennis, a car designer for over 30 years, with Beverly, the only woman on a male-dominated board, you get a really powerful team. They are, in fact, a couple who've been married for 46 years, as I mentioned, and if you think putting on a car gathering of this magnitude is an easy task, you're mistaken. Beverly was a public school educator for over 30 years. She's now retired. She's the Santa Fe Concurso secretary. Dennis worked at General Motors for 30 years as a designer, and he was the chief designer of Cadillac Design Studio. He led many innovative projects over the years with Buick, Pontiac, Oldsmobile, Chevrolet, Cadillac, as I mentioned, and Paninfarina Design. Dennis is the president of the Santa Fe Concorso, and over the past four years, these two have developed the Santa Fe Concorso into a top-tier event, and a concourse that's not to be missed. So you two, I've told our listeners a little about you, so please take some time and share some more about your history, your career, your interests, and of course, your passion for automobiles. Well, when I first started out in teaching, I started out at an elementary level, decided after about two or three years that I needed a change, moved up to junior high, taught English study skills. The study skills was quite interesting because it taught me how to become more organized and also how to pick things up very quickly and look for answers. After getting a master's in reading, it allowed me to move up to a high school level, which was my dream all along, but starting off with an education degree in elementary, that's quite a challenge. So for the last 12 years of my career, I ran a support program for students, general ed students. In fact, I pioneered it when the program was in effect. We had a school of about 1,600 students. The 
dropout rate was less than 2%. So our program was extremely effective. But what was was meeting all these students that had challenges and showing them somebody cared about them and how to get through their challenges. So anyway, I left with a smile on my face and still have fond memories of the, the years that I was an educator. And Dennis, you were a car designer. Tell us about your career and in your past. Well, uh, Mark, my uh, my interest in cars really go back to when I was a young man, just like uh, uh, most young men, um, and it was mostly just building little plastic uh, models of um, of cars, and of course, hot rodding them or customizing them, whatever uh, whatever suited a group of us that would probably get together in somebody's basement. And that was sort of the beginnings of cars. Of course, little did I know where uh, my career would go as time went on. And um, eventually I started to do get involved with a project uh, which was called the General Motors Craftsman's Guild, where you're supposed to team up and design a futuristic car and then build it from scratch. And, uh, and that really sort of set me in a direction for the career that I ended up in. Many people listening to this show are inspired by people who have careers in automotive field, and the dream career has to be designing cars because the fantasy is you take a pencil and you draw on paper and this car magically appears and it's built. But perhaps you can talk a little bit, and we'll get into it more with probably some of the other questions that we'll be discussing here, but it's not that simple, is it? Uh, No, it isn't. Uh, It's a very involved process, uh, a fun-involved process, but uh, like you're saying, you know, from the beginnings of the sketch to the final release of the uh, master uh, clay car, there's uh, an enormous interaction with uh, uh, engineers that are uh, specific to certain parts. There's manufacturing, there's marketing involved, uh, even the advertising group, and uh, as well as the accounting department. Uh, and what we released, people would always ask me, you know, what, what did you really do on the car? Well, and of course, it's the whole studio. It's not just me. There is uh, everything that you see in a car, the studio touches and designs. Uh, we're given the criteria. Uh, we don't get involved uh, with driving, doing the drivetrain or the engine, but uh, all the visual parts of that car and textures come through the studio. Oh, this sounds fantastic. And before we get into some of my questions here, could you both share with me, how did you get involved with the event, the Concorso at Santa Fe? Well, Mark, where it started really was uh, we were having dinner with uh, Phil. Uh, Phil Hill and Denise McCluggage. And they, those two knew each other at that time, uh, probably from back when they were in their 20s. And I'm sure you can probably read about it anywhere, uh, at least Phil's uh, side of the, the story. But anyway, Phil would always... Um, uh, be pushing Bev and I to do, he said, when are you going to do a Concord d'Elegance in Santa Fe? It's such a wonderful area. And, of course, uh, I would tell him, oh, yeah, Phil, that's a great idea. We should do that sometime. And he would, well, really the two of them would always gang up on us whenever we got together and keep pushing this. And I think a lot of that prodding really was coming from Denise uh, McCluggage more than anybody else. And finally, when uh, Phil Phil passed on, um, we decided you know, it's time to do this event uh, because that generation who we still are able to have some contact with is starting to go and go away. So let's let's do this now. Well, two extraordinary people. I had the luxury of meeting Phil Hill years ago when I was racing vintage cars at a local event at Pacific Raceway. He was a guest of honor. 
What a wonderful man. And, and Denise is going to be a guest coming up very soon here on Cars. Yeah, I got to sit with her at Pebble Beach three weeks ago when we watched the cars roll over. So, wow, to have two people of such great inspiration in automotive history be nudging you on, those are some big pushes. So that's fantastic. As we continue on your journey, I always like to start with a success quote. And this is a saying that's been instrumental in forming your life and your success. And it's a great way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars Yeah. So let's have Beverly take the wheel first. The quote I've lived with from even when I was a youngster is, where there's a will, there's a way. So I just make things happen if I really, really want to make things happen. Where there's a will, there's a way. Absolutely. And Dennis? Well, I, there was a quote, and this really wasn't at the beginning of, uh, of um, my young life, but it occurred when I was in a design studio. And I remember there was a designer making a presentation to the vice president of design at that time, uh, who was Chuck Jordan, and was a good friend and a great mentor as, as time went on. But he uh, was listening to the presentation that this young man was making about a car. And the, and the designer was going on and on and on, decide, describing what this car is going to be, what it's going to look like. And finally, Chuck interrupt, interrupted him and said, you know, young man, I can't see with my ears. <laughs> and that's something that you can apply to just about everything. And I just have, have used that throughout life. If, uh, if we're going to get something done, I'm not going to be telling you about it. I might frame it very briefly, but I want to show you what it's going to look like as soon as I can. Wonderful quote. I love those. And if I could ask both of you, how have you incorporated those success quotes into your businesses or your life, or perhaps even the Concorso that you both run? When we first started the Concorso, which was back in 2008, we started talking about it. By 2009, we decided that it was going to go forward. If you remember what happened in 2009, the whole economy tanked. And so... We put it on hold. We put the whole event, uh, and then in 2010 thought, well, there is a will here, and we're going to have to find a way to do it. So with $1,100 in the bank account and not even knowing who our sponsors were, we started the Concorso, and that year, the end of September, we'd made enough money to give away $10,000 to charities. Wow. Well, there was a will, there was a way. Absolutely. And how about you, Dennis? Well, again, using that quote, uh, can't see with my ears, you know, we, uh, I will pro- constantly bring that up, especially when we're in some roundtable discussions about we need to do this and we need to do that. Um, you know, I will always come back. I don't use the quote, but I'm telling them, you know, I want to see this. I want you, if you want to bring this car, I want you to show me uh, pictures of it. I want uh, to know who the owner is. I want to know that you've made contacts with them, um, you know, and I just will not allow us to uh, make some cavalier uh, statement and then everybody goes away and uh, the ball just drops at that point. I, again, as I mentioned at the beginning of this, this uh, talk with you guys, I can't imagine all the details that go on. I've been involved in putting on some very small car shows, but something of this magnitude is absolutely uh, overwhelming, but I'm sure you have a, a lot of help and a great team around you. Could you share with us a story that instigated each of your passions for cars? Perhaps tell us that pivotal moment in your life when you really knew you were a car guy and a car gal. Well, 
talk where it uh, where it started was uh, again I, I mentioned earlier this uh, craftsman's guild contest, uh, and at that point in my life I didn't have any brothers or sisters. My dad was a machinist. Uh, uh, he knew that I needed to go on to higher education, and he suggested uh, with my interest in making things that maybe mechanical engineering would be a, a good fit for me. I was in maybe my freshman year in mechanical engineering realizing this wasn't a good fit for me because I really, really didn't particularly care to sit around and do math problems. And uh, usually did the usual thing where we, instead of going to an actual counselor at the university, this was a bunch of us sitting around in a dorm room and I mentioned to somebody, boy, I've got to find a way to bring my GPA up and try to figure out what I really want to do here in college. And somebody mentioned, hey, why don't you take art? I heard it's easy. <laughs> so with that, I, with that, I signed up for an art class, which I had never done ever in my life, and start to realize that I really like this. And that's when I sort of put things together. In the Craftsman's Guild, they had sort of a handbook that, that you could look at, and there were car sketches in there. And that's when I started thinking, there's somebody that does this for a living. And with that, I discovered there was an uh, industrial design program at the university. Well, this was Ohio University. And uh, they didn't really specialize in automotive design, but it was at least the degree that I needed. And uh, I worked uh, feverishly trying to figure out how to do all this stuff, how to learn to draw, which was another one. Luckily, I think I found out I was gifted in that area. So um, that's what started me down the road. Wow. And Beverly, could we call you a car gal? You can. It, it is rubbed off over all the years of being together. I think the, the pivotal point was when we bought our Jaguar back in 1979, and it was just such a gorgeous, sleek-looking car. So that's uh, what turned me into a car gal. And then also just working on the Concorso. I've learned to appreciate and understand the different cars that we get into our show. So that's had a big impact on me. Oh, absolutely. And I've been to so many car concourse events over my life. And you think at first that the only people there are car people, but you run into so many people that maybe aren't real car fanatics, but they gain a huge appreciation looking at these pieces of art sitting on a lawn. I love the fact that a Jaguar was the car that uh, pushed you over the edge because that's the car back when when we did our pre-show chat here. I told you about the Jaguar and my first Matchbox car being a Jaguar XKE and how that pushed me over the edge. So that's fantastic. So Beverly and Dennis, what I want to do now is take a look at some of the roads you've driven down and, and really crawl under the hood and maybe get our hands a little dirty. Could you share with us a huge challenge or even a great failure that you faced in your career, or maybe it had something to do with the event that you work on? More importantly, though, tell our audience how you overcame that situation and what you learned from it. Yeah, Mark, I think, uh, you know, the biggest challenge I had, especially with my career, was um, I was ready to go faster than uh, a company was ready to go, which was a good thing. That's what the studios were there for anyway. But trying to trying to control myself to pace things to meet uh, the requirements of, um, of, uh, of a marketing group uh, was really, really a challenge. But I just learned how to... Um, keep that going forward, especially when I was running the studio. And if nothing else, if we couldn't do it, let's say on whatever the model was that we were working on, 
to set the seed in place with sketches and discussions of where we wanted to go next. And uh, this way, when it was time to jump into that next project, uh, the marketing group would already, they, they knew what the vision was and uh, were starting to buy into it early on. So sort of learning how to uh, navigate the waters uh, of a large group. And it's not just General Motors. Uh, I'm sure as a lot of your listeners know, as I uh, used to tell our daughters, if you're working for somebody and your job is to pop popcorn, there's somebody there that's going to tell you how to pop the popcorn and how they want it. So you have to learn how to work within that system. Oh, yeah. I can only imagine the bureaucracy that evolves in a, a huge company like that. And Beverly, how about you? I was thinking about that. As I mentioned earlier, I tried to stay fresh in my career, and I'd been teaching junior high for about 12 years. And uh, the counselors felt that um, they needed to start to channel kids into different programs based on their math grades, so that trickled down to all the other subjects. So I ended up getting a classroom with 22 boys and 8 girls, absolutely the most challenging thing I've ever had. (laughs) I had a good rapport with the kids, but uh, these boys, they basically ran the show that year. So I think it was probably in January of that year. a posting came up for learning consultants, and I applied, and it was at the high school level, and I was so thankful. And I kept making phone calls to say, so have you chosen the candidate yet? I really want that position, mm-hmm. and I did get it. So in February, I got to hand off that group of unruly kids to another teacher, and I moved up to my dream job, which was to be a learning consultant starting pioneering a support program for general ed students. I had three ladies that worked with me, and we were a team that, um, you know, it was a lot of fun to just meet with these kids and, and help them to get through their challenges. I still keep in touch with a couple of the kids that were in that program. Well, it's fantastic. You know, all of us have those teachers in our lives that really made a difference, and I'm sure you were one of those teachers, and I cannot even imagine trying to teach a bunch of middle schoolers. Oh, my goodness. I remember when my first child went into middle school, the teacher, we went for that first parent-teacher night, and they said, well, your kids were dogs before now, and now they're cats. And if you think about that analogy of dogs and cats, they were very true. But she said, don't worry, they'll be dogs again someday. (laughs) I thought that was a funny story. Let's shift gears here and go to the other end of the spectrum. And if you would share a story with us, when you had a real aha moment in your career, your business, or maybe it was around the Concorso, a time when you realize, you know what, I think this is really going to make it, this is going to be a success, and perhaps tell us the steps that you took to turn that aha moment into that success. Well, I'll start off, Mark. I think, uh, you know, you've heard some of our answers to the previous uh, questions. We just never think of failure, and uh, and we just use that to march forward. I know there was a a gentleman after we did the event uh, the first year and maybe we were like a half year going into the next one, he said, uh, he said uh, what are you doing? I said, well, we're working on the uh, Concorso. He said, oh. He said, oh, I thought you were just going to do that one time. And he said, I'm even surprised that it succeeded. And I looked him in the eye and I said, you know, I don't start something to, to have it fail. I said, it's going to succeed and that's, uh, that's our goal. And um, and we just we do that really with everything in life. Uh, we uh, designed and built our uh, 
current house. We were the owner, uh, uh, builder of the of the house. I know a lot of people, my wife will say, well, you can do it, and I have to remind her, not everybody can do these type things. But uh, it's just part of our DNA. Sure. Well, with the Concorso, was there a point in time when you first got involved, and maybe Beverly could take the wheel here, where you just started to go, you know what, I don't know if this is going to work. But something happened, perhaps, that clicked. Was there a moment in time where that happened? Yes. In fact, when we were first starting to gym this up, biggest question was, where are we going to get sponsors? Uh, where are we going to get some more funding for this program? And it worked because of the contacts that we made. Denise McCluggage was just major in contacting people and saying, you know, I've already talked to Jeff Day at uh, Mercedes-Benz, and, and he's going to come on board. We literally knocked on the doors of local dealerships and businesses in Santa Fe and said, we were excited about it. And when you're excited and passionate, when you're explaining something, then that seems to catch on with other people. We didn't have too many doors slammed in our face. And we were able to, the first year, get enough sponsors that we were able to pay for the bills. And, And that was always a challenge because the first year I was also the treasurer. So knowing where the uh, money was going to be coming from and how much we could uh, spend. Fortunately, bills came in after the event. Well, it sounds like there's a key word here in this story, and that's perseverance. Would that be true? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, it's it's so needed. And for those young entrepreneurs, perhaps, or people considering new careers, new jobs, or a concourse event, perseverance is so key. It's a key thing to life in general, careers, and everything you do. Let's have a little fun here. What was your first really special car? And perhaps you could each share a memory about that vehicle. My first special car was um, I learned to drive on a stick ship. My mother had an Opal Cadet, and my brother and I were very close in age, so being the older one, he got to take get his driver's license first, but as soon as I turned 16, I was on my parents pestering them, and so we did have to share the car, but mine was an Opal Cadet, and then after Dennis and I got married and we needed a second car, and this would have been in the 70s, um, we went up to Flint and picked out an Opal Cadet, and that was my driver for the next probably five or six years until finally at uh, Michigan was quite known as the snow belt, the rust belt, so it was falling apart, so I had to car. That's a very unique first car. How about you, Dennis? Well, mine is even more unique than hers, because (laughs) mine didn't even have an engine in it. Uh, Hmm. My first car was one that I didn't uh, drive in. Well, I did end up driving in it, but um, it was a soapbox derby race car that I designed (laughs) and built. Oh, cool. And... um, you know, I always use that as the first car. I, I don't know whether it was the first one that influenced me. But, again, it, it sort of set me on the road to where my career was. And um, I finally, I just came across a picture of myself when I was 11 in that uh, soapbox der- derby car. So I'm waiting for when the uh, concourse is finally over. And uh, we'll probably be sitting down with Al and Susan Unser. And I'm going to take that picture out and show Al Unser that he has nothing on top of me. I was a race car driver at an early age. <laughs> I would love to be there when you do that. That would be a, a fun conversation. And I'm going to dive off in a little direction here as I usually follow a format for questions. But 
I want to make sure that our listeners know, you mentioned the Unser's big name in automotive uh, fields and racing. You you have a pretty special group of special guests this year, right? Could you share who those people are going to be with us? Yes, and, and because of Susan and Al Unser, this panel of Parnelli Jones, Johnny Rutherford, Eddie Cheever Jr., and Lynn St. James will all be here as our special guests for the whole weekend. Wow. Plus, you know, just to add to that, we also have um, Donald Davidson from uh, the Indianapolis uh, Racetrack. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's a historian. He's going to be here. He's probably, uh, Tim Considine will be the moderator of uh, the panel, and uh, probably we're going to get Donald to talk about another car that we've got coming from the Indianapolis Museum, the Wilbur Shaw car, a Maserati that Wilbur Shaw drove, and uh, fill us in a little bit on the history of that car. Wow. Well, what an all-star lineup. That's going to be so fantastic. And uh, sounds like those are all people I need to get on the cars. Yeah, so maybe you could put in a good word for me while you're talking about that first racer of yours. <laughs> <laughs> Seller's remorse. Are there vehicles that either of you have had that you really wish you could have back? No. <laughs> <laughs> okay, how about you, Dennis? Yeah, we're, I'm the same way we were. we were talking about this. We really never owned any significant cars that uh, we would say got a really horribly bad that we uh, got rid of that, especially when I was working with GM. A lot of the cars uh, would come out of a fleet, so they were existing production cars. And uh, we were so busy trying to uh, further our careers and raise children, we never really had any extra money to go out and buy those toys other than the 67 Jaguar which we still have, and we bought that. We bought that in 1979, and I was thinking a couple of years ago, I said to Dennis, it would really be nice to get a car that we could have air conditioning in and we would be able to drive it on a long trip. Why don't we sell the Jag? And his response was? Yeah, it wasn't just my response. Our, our daughters, who both live out in L.A. now, were at the table, and in unison we all said, have you lost your mind? <laughs> well, thank goodness for that. Sorry, I That's think right. I think in this one case here, Beverly, you were outvoted. Oh, definitely, and I'm glad we still have the car, but I did drive it for about two hours one day, and I was exhausted, but I was through with the drive. Of course, it was on winding roads coming down the hill, so that was quite challenging. Yeah, well, but great fun for sure. Is there a oh, current yeah. project that you guys are working on right now that really has you excited and fired up? You know, at least with the two of us, I'm uh, when we were just out in L.A. with uh, visiting our daughters, uh, and by the way, we were at Pebble Beach, and I have a feeling we may have been at the same place at the same time because we were sitting with Denise watching the award ceremony. Oh, up in the judges' balcony? Yes. Oh, my gosh. Well, yeah, I was up there, too. Well, I should say we weren't in the judges' balcony. We were up above in the uh, lodge at Mercedes uh, Suite oh, okay. uh, with Alma Hill. But, uh, but getting back to the, uh, the projects, my daughter uh, wants to do some products, and uh, she works for, for a very high-end interior design group out of Beverly Hills. And I told her there was a chair that I, uh, I designed when I was in college that uh, has a lot of potential. And I said, maybe the two of us can team up together and we can work on this uh, chair design. And uh, our goal is going to be to bring it to uh, production and maybe sell it through something like Design Within Reach, really market this and make it something special. Oh, wow. That sounds fantastic. Now, here's a funny question for both of you. If you were a car, 
And maybe you could even ask, well, I don't know, that might be going too far. Answer this together, but I'll let you do it however you want to do it. If you were a car, what kind of car would you be and why? Well, I actually own a car that I would be, and that's a Cadillac ATS. <laughs> I love that. I watched Derek Hill in the commercials that they were running from Cadillac, and I've talked to Derek several times about this, that car was just so sleek and fast and nimble, and I thought, that's what I would like to be. And now I do own a black metal flake Cadillac ATS. And I don't take Dennis with me often because he's always telling me to slow down around those curves. (laughs) That's what's about driving it. Oh, those are great vehicles. How about you, Dennis? What kind of car would you be? And why? Well, it's pretty pretty simple. It's it would be something that uh, you know I live with design. So I want it to be very sleek looking. I want it to be very fast and very nimble. Uh, it doesn't have to be a particular car, but something that embodies uh, those three words. That's for sure. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm sure being a designer, that's a, a tough to narrow that down to one specific vehicle. But we're going to get to a similar question a little later in the show, where I'm going to pin you down to one. So. Hang on. So now we're up to the last lap, and this is where I fire off a series of questions, and you two give our listeners very quick blips of the throttle answers. So are you guys ready? He is. I'll catch (laughs) up. Okay, here we go. What is the best automotive advice you've ever received? Uh, To embrace a challenge. We talked about this earlier, but uh, just be up for whatever the challenge is going to be that particular moment, basically. Sure. And how about you, Bev? I don't have an answer for that. (laughs) Okay. Maybe it was buy a car you enjoy. (laughs) It sounds like you've done that. Yes, that would be good. Okay. I agree with that. All right. Would you share one of your personal habits that you believe has contributed to your success? Well, I think working together as a team has been a personal habit. Dennis and I, I mean, for 30 years we had our careers and we didn't see each other but for maybe two hours a day. And we've been retired now for 15 years, and it's made a big difference because we've always been good teammates. So I would probably say that um, just learning about each other and working together and also respecting each other's opinions. Oh, yeah. That's definitely a key in any relationship, but especially a marriage. Would you agree, Dennis? Uh, Yeah, I do. And and, and to answer uh, your question, uh, it's, it's like I've always told people, uh, I, what I really found was my strength. Obviously, I learned how to draw and uh, could draw cars very well and learned how to design cars. But uh, the, I think what my real strength is, is I know when it's right and I know uh, just by looking at it that this is the right proportion or the right shape. And that's something I think I just have in me. So trusting your gut. Yep. Do you, either of you have a resource that you could share with our listeners that you're really fond of? Maybe it's a website that you visit, or maybe it's an app you use all the time on your phone. Yeah, Mark, um, I don't know if I have anything special. You know, I'm a very much of a visual person. Uh, I don't read a lot of books, not because I don't like to read. I, I want, you know, again, I want to see things. So I'm constantly perusing uh, the internet, uh, magazines looking for glimpses of, uh, you know, where the future might go, or in our case with the Concorso, uh, what's something here that would would elevate our event even to a higher level? Mm -hmm. And is there a website you're particularly fond of, being a designer perhaps? 
You know, not really. I don't sit in front of a computer that much. Uh, sometimes there's a there's a friend, uh, fellow that worked for me in Cadillac Studio. Um, Dean's Garage. Dean's Garage. Uh, his name is uh, Gary Smith, and Dean's Garage is is really interesting. He um, he has um, his tentacles reach out to a lot of people like myself uh, in the automotive industry. So he can go back and um, and get stories of how, oh, let's say uh, uh, the original Firebirds were designed. Uh, these are the ones that Harley Earl was involved with up to uh, some original sketches that are on the website from uh, retired old designers like myself, which reminds me I have to send him some uh, sketches, which I'm going to do probably after the concorso is over. And that's uh, Dean, D-E-A-N, apostrophe S, Garage? Correct. Correct. Dean's Garage, okay. And Beverly, any uh, resources that you're really fond of? Yes, I love Peter Barras' website, which is M-M-R-Site, S-I-T-E. Yep. He's always up to date on where he's been, what he's been doing, and fabulous photos. And then uh, denisemccluggage.com. Even though we've known Denise for almost 15 years now, when I read little snippets or the stories that she posts, you just get more of a glimpse into her life. She just has so many stories to share with people. Oh, absolutely. And as I mentioned, uh, Denise will be a guest here on Cars Yeah very soon, and um Peter has been a guest on Cars yeah in the past, so uh, those are great resources. And I'll let our listeners know if you go to CarsYeah.com, you can find all these resources up on Beverly and Dennis's show notes page. Is there a book that either of you have read that, uh, recently that you really enjoyed, or a book maybe even from the past you could recommend to our listeners? I read The Book Thief, which is already out in the movie. I did not see the movie, but I just found that to be a very moving story. And we're watching a TV series, Manhattan, because it's been filmed in and around the area. And many of our volunteers for the Concorso are from Los Alamos. So just following, reading The Book Thief, the book thief brought huh? more information about what went on during World War II. And then the Manhattan Project, as I said, the, book, the movie, is, or the TV series, rather, is called Manhattan, uh, lets us know what went on up on the hill every yeah. once in a while we still hear booms so we know that they're still active on the hill something's going up how about you dennis i know you said you don't read a whole lot of books but maybe there's one you could recommend yeah i um like like i was saying i really don't sit down and read that much but um if i do read a book and i can't uh, pull one out of my um oh yeah Deb was just saying uh there, there was a dealer that i interface with a lot out of um Dallas, Carl Sewell, he had a book called Customers for uh, Life, which is uh, a pretty savvy guy on, on how to really uh, make a business successful. But other other books, if I'm interested, that I do read, and usually it's if we're on a flight somewhere where I really can't do things, I'm just sitting there, would be some something with history. Uh, I'm really intrigued with uh, historical leaders, uh, World War II leaders, Civil War leaders, uh, you know how they how do they face those challenges uh, under pressure and uh, learn to cope with the situation? Sure. Well, Customers for Life is a book I read years ago and, and put a lot of those elements into the business I was involved in. I love that book and it had a lot of great stories. And I have friends who own car dealerships who read that book and implemented a lot of those ideas into their businesses that were successful as well. So, some great suggestions there. 
Any interesting hobbies outside of your passion for cars that both of you are involved in? Jewelry design. About five years ago, I decided to tap into my creative side. So I've been doing, making jewelry, both fabricating and casting. Um, I love skiing. We share the passion of riding motorcycles. Of course. And Dennis? Uh, Yeah, again, we share a lot of the uh, similar things. The jewelry end, uh, she signed up for a jewelry class and convinced me that I needed to be in that class also. Of course, I was uh, thrown in with the majority of the uh, ladies that were in there, and I thought, what am I going to do in a jewelry class? Now, I'd done some jewelry before uh, when I was in school, and I happened to be looking through, uh, this is going back to the the book subject, I was looking through some vintage uh, Buck Roger comic books, and I, I was seeing all these rockets. So I did a whole series of jewelry uh, revolving around rockets. And, of course, I had to throw in some skulls in there also. <laughs> what fun. Well, inspiration can come from anywhere. As a designer, you know that, Dennis. And uh, it's great that you tapped into your creative side there, Bev. Uh, are you selling any of your jewelry? To close friends, but most of the time, well, I make one-of-a-kind pieces. Mm-hmm. So... I haven't sold that many. A few years ago, I sold a few pieces, but I don't have a website yet. And because I just do maybe five or six pieces during a a semester, I don't have a whole lot in stock. Well, uh, if you get to a point where you start doing that, you let me know, and we'll put a link to that new website of yours for jewelry up on your show notes page so people can find you. How's that? That sounds great. Thanks. Awesome. All right, you two, we're up to the checkered flag. That means that we have, this is the last question I'm going to ask you, actually second to the last, but this last question can be a real doozy for some people. If you could only have one collector car in your garage, and this is something you can't sell to buy other cars with, and money's no object, I'm going to buy you each whatever car you want to park out there in the garage and uh, rub some wax on and enjoy, what would that vehicle be and why did you choose it? He's pointing at me, so I guess I go first. Um <laughs> And this is pretty simple. I, I get this question a lot, obviously, with my uh, past career. And my answer is any new Aston Martin. Ooh. To me, they're just beautifully proportioned uh, sculptural forms. And, uh, you know, every time I see one go down the road, I just I have to stop and just watch it go by. So that would be if I was going to buy a car. I'm not enamored with a lot of the supercars. I think they're... Uh, you know, as a designer, those are easy cars to design, believe it or not, um, uh, just in terms of, uh, you know, the wow factor. But uh, something like an Aston Martin has to be luxurious, uh, obviously sporty and elegant. And uh, I think they have hit the mark uh, right on, on the head. Oh, they are beautiful cars. And like I said earlier, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pin you down here. You've got to pick one Aston Martin. So which one is it? I don't even know. Like I said, to me, any of them, they're, they're all just beautiful. Uh, it, it, maybe another car, if I was going to, if price was no object, it might be um, uh, from back in the 50s, 57, a Ferrari uh, Testarossa. Oh. That was um, an inspiration to me as a young man when I did uh, this first car for the uh, Craftsman's Guild with that front open uh, wheel area. And I just happened to, when we were out at Pebble Beach, and I'm sure you recall this, there were a whole uh, gathering of those cars at the end of the, uh, of the fairway. Yep. Uh, just amazing, beautiful cars. Yeah, the pontoon fender cars, those are fantastic. And how about you, Beverly? 
I do like the super fast cars like the McLarens that are out there now, and we're going to have three of them at our show this year. So if I had a choice, I would like to be a, a metal flake blue McLaren. <laughs> okay. We'll have that parked next to that pontoon vendor Ferrari in the garage. I think that'd be a, a nice pair of cars. Mark, we can you can sort of gather from who gets the most tickets in this uh, yeah, relationship. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't going to say anything, but yeah, I think I can I can figure that out. Well, listen, you two have taken us on a great ride today, and I really enjoyed your stories. And I want to thank you for taking time off of your incredibly hectic schedule, because in a couple of weeks here, there's going to be a concorso that you're putting on. Could each of you give our guests one parting piece of guidance before you drive off into the sunset in those dream cars? Parting piece of advice. Uh, stay true to yourself and also follow your dreams. Don't let things get in the way to keep you from going for going for and accomplishing what you want to do. So go for the dream. Excellent. Dennis? Yeah, and, and the other, it's kind of interesting. We have a lot of our friends, uh, you know, since we, uh, we uh, I guess, were retired. Now we're not. But uh, they keep saying, why are you doing this? And I said, you know, it's not just the cars. Mm-hmm. What's interesting are the people that we've been able to meet over time. And uh, that's Part of the uh, part of the stuff that most people don't see, you know, you come to the Concorso and you see all the beautiful cars and uh, how we put the event together. But you know, becoming friends with Sir Sterling Moss and Lady Susan and uh, Alan Susan Unser, and it just goes on and on. That's what's special, and and that's the uh, that's the driving force, at least for uh, for the two of us. You know, that's so true, and on Cars Yeah, I have a blog that I write every week, and after I came back from Pebble Beach this year, which was my 23rd year of attending that show, I wrote a blog about that, that, and it was titled, Where Everybody Knows Your Name, from that song from the TV show Cheers, where it's not just about the cars, it really is the people, and the people that you meet, the people that you become friends with, so I love the fact that you you gave that as a parting piece of guidance, Dennis, thank you. And what's the best way for our listeners to learn more about the Santa Fe Concorso? How can they find out about what you guys are doing? Our website is santafeconcorso.com, and Concorso is spelled C-O-N-C-O-R-S-O. Oh, great. And I'll remind everybody again, if you go to carsyad.com slash Beverly and Dennis Little, you can find a show notes page that links all these resources right to their website. And if you're going to be in the Santa Fe area, Coming up here September 26th to the 28th, you've got to attend the show. It's absolutely fantastic. I want to thank you, Beverly and Dennis, for being so generous with your time and expertise and sharing your lives with me and the listeners. It's been really fun to have both of you on the show. Until we talk again, I'll see you down the road. Sounds good, Mark. Safe travels. Thanks, Mark. You're welcome. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah! Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah.